Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an uh, act. All right. Brad. And I'm Jay, I'm an addict. So uh, this week in news, Jay, you got any news articles? <laughs> <laughs> Do I ever? That Are you me- kidding me? Let's let's hear yours first. That means no. <laughs> <laughs> that means I sent Jay news articles and he didn't read any of them. He always sends me the news. He forces me so, to. So let's start. Let's start with a fun one. Since both you and I are big sports fans, do you uh, follow Duke basketball? <laughs> of course, I don't. <laughs> Anything with the ball me, sport, I barely. Neither. But as I searched Mormon under news, this article came up of this guy named Frank Jackson. Do Sounds you, legit. We have a studio audience today. Have you heard of Frank Jackson? The basketball player at Duke. Yeah. They decided not going to Michigan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he said he was looking for some deep. Yeah, I read the article. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if you heard that, our studio audience is spelling. So, basically, uh, I had heard about, um, let's introduce our guest. Uh, what is your name, sir? My name is Xander. All right, Xander. We're going to get it. We're going to interview Xander on Ask the Attic, but he happens to be in the studio today, so we might have him chime in on some of the news. I remember re- reading about this guy named Will Watanbe, which was a big, famous basketball. Are you a basketball fan? No, Xander? not at okay. all. I just read the article. So okay. I so that. I remember him, and he was going on a mission to Japan, and it was like huge news in the sports. And I think that's a tough decision if you're like a legit professional athlete. I was in the dorms, BYU, and uh, Sean Bradley was getting recruited. I actually went on the recruiting trip because um, I lived in the jock dorm at BYU. And so I was went out with the – the coaches, uh, uh, Reed, Coach Reed, Randy Reed, okay. if you're listening to this, uh, Randy Reed was not the coach's Andy, son. Not Andy Reed? Randy Reed. Andy, okay. This was in the 90s. Okay. Brad's you're, old. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so anyways, Sean Bradley came. I was like, holy cow, this guy is huge. And uh, he went on a mission. It was a big news. So uh, when I read about these guys, I'm like, that's just really cool. It's a tough decision. Like, you go get millions right now. You could go get hurt, not get recruited after your mission. Like, you're – you're giving up a lot of financial security by serving a mission. Totally. Um, but this uh, Jackson guy said he went to Duke and he is not serving a mission in the traditional sense, and his mission is is playing basketball. And I think, well, what do you think of that, Jay? Well, it all depends. Is he going to say that he's being prayed about and that was his answer? Because I know a lot of members that say that and then they use that as justification. But if he truly feels that that's like his his purpose – I don't know. I didn't read the article. So at first, I'm like, I know, shocking. I didn't read. I'm a sc- for, for those of you who don't know, I'm a skimmer when it comes to news and reading anything important. You read the headlines. I read the he- I'm a headlines guy. So but I didn't even read these headlines. I'll tell you a fun fact about this. This guy's dad joined the church in Washington, D.C., in the D.C. South That's Ward, where, where I served a mission. Boom. And he joined the church in 93, right when I was really? in the mission. So he talked about in the article about attending the uh, ward there in the D.C. South and there's a wide variety of hardcore area, right? You said some parts. Oh, of... There were streets we were not allowed to go on wow. as missionaries. They were redlined out. Wow. Um, and this this ward was just awesome. Like you had the richest rich, you had the poorest poor, and it was just an awesome ward. And so his dad Al uh, talks about the time of joining the church in the D.C. South, uh, sorry, uh, Southeast Ward, and then they moved to Utah. And then raised this kid there. So oh, so okay. So he was raised in Utah. This kid, dude. Basically, this kid was raised in Utah, and um, 
But uh, I don't know if the article says uh, he prayed about it or not. I don't. Re- I don't remember reading anything about that. I think the kind of gist of it is that he he realizes that he has a special platform yeah. with playing for Duke instead of playing because he initially tried for BYU. No, he didn't try. They recruited him his freshman year in high school. Oh wow, and Duke he, or BYU? BYU. Okay, and he accepted it, and then Boy, came man. back. He got started getting offers from like Stanford, Duke, other places. And so once he made the decision to Duke, he still said, like, hey, I'm going on a mission. I'm going on a mission. And then he just felt like he had this, you know, strong platform to use to share the gospel that he totally. wouldn't have had, you know, on a mission. So I'm super stoked to see. Th- I think the kid's going to live up to what he said totally. he's going to do. I don't think it's a cop-out. I think he's going to use his platform to, to share the gospel. With Which him. we love. I mean, whenever, whenever I see, I'm obviously being a convert, whenever I see, like, famous people, that are members of the church, and I share that with my family or friends. It's like, oh, I didn't know that person was, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it's commendable. Sure. And th- that right there is a huge testimony. I I, I agree. So that's let's say time. fast forward, Rusty, my son, Rusty, your son is uh, 17 years old. He's ranked 20th on the WQS. That's a surf tour, the qualifying. My son's tour. obsessed with surfing. That's what he's talking about. And uh, he's uh, getting ready to turn 18. He can go on a mission, or he could slug it out another year and maybe make it on the WCT tour. What's your advice as a father? Ooh, in that case, I think because of surfing and the sport it is. I mean, you got someone like Kelly Slater who's ripping into his 40s. It's a little different than some of these other traditional sports, where you do have a shorter window due to age and and. Your body deteriorating, so I would definitely say go on a mission. But at the same time, I think it's cool. Like this dad obviously may have some, may have not said that. I don't know if it talks about it. It's all about the kid's choice, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so cool. I mean, my family did not want me to go on a mission. They thought it was crazy uh, at first, right? Like you're going to sell everything. Wait, what? You just joined this church? Like what are you doing? I had been a member for a year. But uh, when I told them, no matter what, I was going, they totally embraced it. And it was like you know, my mom ended up joining the church my, like, third weekend or something. So, like, it was a testimony to her that I was willing to leave my friends and family and go out there. So, once again, it's up to my son. It's up to this kid. It's his choice. That's rad. If he's going to do it and use it as a platform, oh, my gosh, think of all the people he can have the opportunity to influence, especially if he makes it to the pros. I would think the bottom line is personal revelation. Totally. And Which is the program that talks about that. At the ARB program, right? Step um, 11, baby. So, you got to respect that. Um so yeah. good. Okay, we, su- we support you. Support you. Good luck, brother. Maybe I'll watch a basketball game. I like basketball. I like college is way better. Uh, I like the Lakers, of course, because we're where we're from. Not but, the Clippers. Uh, not the Clippers. Not, definitely not the Clippers. I didn't switch like most people did in LA. Yeah. But um, you watching college basketball? Those guys run nonstop. They're playing hardcore because they're trying to make that cash. Yes. Cash. Oh, you just told later. Me. Later, and they make the NBA. So stay, stay on board. Okay, so uh, next article. Uh, let's jump to something fun. Let's talk about us. Yeah. Uh, let me show you something you have not seen yet, which is our statistics of the podcast. Oh, yeah. And if I were to ask you, where besides the United States is our top country of listeners to our podcast? And we've only been, this is short-lived, but we're, out, we're international. That's crazy. To so me. What, That's would you, crazy. what do you think the, net, the second highest country is? Country? Yeah, I was gonna say country. We'll go into cities next. I was but gonna say state. I would say like like oh uh, no, country. I don't know, man. I, I I can't even. I couldn't even fathom that someone outside of our <laughs> friends would want to listen to us, or in the program that we know. Like honestly, you, I'll be a hundred percent. Let's get real. We always talk about real talk. When Brad first approached me, I was like, dude, so rad. I love podcasts. However, who the heck wants to listen to you us? Remember when I first pitched this to you? Let's yeah, see. We were on a hunting trip. 
Where were we? We at? were sitting in the jacuzzi with a bunch <laughs> of other buddies yeah. that had went on this hunting trip. And Yuma, he's like, Arizona. Yuma, Arizona. We're hunting with my grandpa out there. It was 100 million degrees at night, and we we're in the, the pool and jacuzzi. It actually wasn't that hot. But, anyways, he, uh, he approached it, and I was like, man, that's awesome. And in the back of my mind, I was like, wait, <laughs> this guy's nuts. I mean, Brad <laughs> always you. has a new idea, and he always wants to hit it up. And when he, when he gets his focus on an idea, he's going to do it no matter what. So much to the point of I drug my feet for the first couple weeks of when he wanted to record, and he ends up sending me a text message saying, oh, that's fine. So I'm starting up, just so you know, I'm starting a podcast whether you like it or not, with or without you. If you don't want to do it, I'll just ask so-and-so. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay, I'm ready. The and takeaway. You guys are salesmen. You know how to take away, right? He, yeah, dude, yeah. he used the sales. Yeah, I'm in sales for a living. And so he used, my, you know, on principle. He, he, he cornered me with a, a hard close, and it worked because I came. Didn't think he was going to listen to it, but I had – that first recording, I felt just like it was meant to be, and so it was a cool experience. But another country, I have no idea. Xander, what's a guess? I have no idea. He's looking Don't at look. No, He's I mean, cheating. like, like really? I can't like, even. Like, I bet it's something crazy, like where somebody, like, like, like Uganda. I don't know, man. Like, so. Net, the Netherlands. Yeah. No, Do you what? know anyone there? No. <laughs> yeah. And then the second. Wait, is it one person? How many people? Uh, what's can't. the opiate usage out there? Uh, I actually I have know. a guy I went on my mission with that's on the Netherlands. Uh, I think he's from the Netherlands. Maybe that's it. That's the connection. It could be. No, he's from like. Could be. So, anyways, listening. Netherlands, Sorry. Australia, no way, the UK, and Canada. Those are our top uh, outside. What? Okay, what do you think our top cities are, outside of Laguna Niguel? Outside of Laguna Niguel, <laughs> where we live, or where our network of closest friends are. Where do you think the second top city is? Salt, uh, Provo. What's your guess? Yeah, Provo or Utah. Somewhere Provo in. doesn't even top the top twenty. What? Number two is Salt Lake, what? Los Angeles three, Aliso Viejo, uh, and Irvine, Michigan, and then Draper, Utah. So Draper, yeah, and I live in Draper. Oh, check bit. it, Farmington, New Mexico. My daughter's mission representing. She better not be listening. Actually, I sent her it on a uh, her mission president approved it on a uh, flash Riverside, drive. Man. Yeah, but uh, I told her to spread the word out there. So. This is crazy. I'm looking at so many cities. Riverside. Yeah, look at that. I post the manuscript. That's nuts, man. We That's appreciate awesome. you guys listening. Hopefully, hopefully you like it. Hopefully you you subscribe. Get on our Instagram account. What's the Instagram page? The Next Step Podcast. Yeah, let us know where you're uh, listening from and give us some feedback on there. Our Facebook page is also the, the Next, Next Step, Step Podcast. Podcast. And we're not quite – we have a website, but we're not really doing much on it yet. But, yeah, let us know what you think, and we appreciate we, – We're new at this. We're not professional. We're so. uh, shocked at the response and pleasantly surprised. So let's last news article. Uh, a year ago, about this week, the uh, church clarified a position and where they uh, basically said children in the household of a same-sex couple, uh, whether married or not, but if they're primarily their primary residence is within the same-sex couple home, that the child would need to wait until they're 18 to get baptized unless there Instead was special traditionally coming. eight years old if you're not a member or some we all parents all children yeah. always need to get the approval of the parents up totally. until they're 18 um, but in this case the child and and similar no different than the policy that was already in existence if they lived in a polygamous household oh see I didn't know that so, so say that again if a child lived in a polygamous household um, where and even if they probably weren't married, but if they were like a yeah. dude and like three ladies, married or not married, couldn't get married. The child wanted to get baptized. They would need to wait till they're eighteen. Wow. And so and so this came out a year ago that 
uh, church officially said, listen, if you're in the same sex marriage and when they're the primary. Not even, not just marriage. Marriage was here, the other, uh, I guess, controversial was if it married in a, in a same sex marriage, it was actually, I don't know if the word's classified, classified but that was um, looked at as an apostate. apostate oh, situation. Uh, situation. So the kid couldn't. This just the couple themselves. Oh, they were in an apostate state, therefore they can't get. Their yeah, so child. church discipline would be in in order. In order, if you, yeah. If you go from if you actually execute a marriage in a, a same sex marriage. Ah, that's news. I didn't know that part. Um, I remember then, this one that came out last year. So skim through it. Skim. Skim through 100%. it. Um, but but you know tons of uh, I, I, you know social media was a, a mass during that time for the last year. Yeah. And this news article from one of my, uh, I'm using quote marks, favorite newspaper, the Salt Lake Tribune, which generally isn't super church positive. Uh, the headline caught me from Salt Lake Tribune, which said, mass exodus from Mormonism, question mark, LDS stats paint a different picture. So interesting that, uh, the, you know, a year ago, the Mormon church policy on gay couples did push some out, but only about one in a thousand left the ranks is that different than the numbers you thought totally i mean it's just like it's just with like uh uh same sex what what did what did uh our last guest that he talked about there was a different sex attraction same sex attraction or because it's offensive to say gay but you know what i'm getting at um the way the news covers it all the time you would think that it's like over 50 percent of of our population let alone in the church i've had friends in the church who are maybe on the edge of of their membership or whatnot but anyways they're members of the church and the way some people paint it is like it's like a chicken little you know right the, everything's wrong with this the the church i've actually heard those exact words mormons are leaving you in know mass, in yeah. masses well, i think some people want to promote that so some statistics the uh, the church said periodic increases or decreases in such requests of having uh, people requesting the names being moved from the church so if you want to if you don't want home teachers or visit teachers checking on you once a month you can write. You can tell your bishop, "I want my name off the records of the church," and you it can get done. removed. It's done. Um, I've heard people say that that doesn't happen so easy. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, how, is that coming from people who've actually tried it, or is that just any any ward I've been in? Yeah. Uh, well, this stat I, makes me question all that now. So all stuff I've heard. So I'll keep reading. But the number of people asking to have their names removed from the records of the church has been less than one tenth of one percent, less than one in one thousand for more than twenty consecutive years including in 2015 and the first eight months of 2016. So that means of the 15 million members uh, reported by the church, fewer than 15,000 have or will resign this year. That figure pales in comparison to, say, the 257-plus thousand converts who joined the church in 2015. A little bit different picture of what maybe some of your social media posts have said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean... Interesting how how the news, the media outlets, other podcasts, uh, people with social media. Social media is just so such a trip. How it can just change so much. It, it can reflect a perspective that may or may not be accurate. That's what I'm trying to say. This whole last year, that's I thought mm-hmm. they are leaving, and in mass. So I think the people that do leave leave with a very very loud voice, and yeah. so it makes that it seem, makes like, it that. seem like it. Um, well, I think a lot of people too. When they first heard it, myself included, was was just kind of taken back, and so it wasn't. So yeah. maybe it, you know people who even are still faithful members of the church and hold current te- temple recommends and are holding callings, 
in the beginning, it was just kind of like whoa. it was kind of yeah. It was just not That's what understood. I got. I was like, whoa, wait, why? Well, is the because church come because out the church is so and the gospel of Jesus Christ is so much about love and acceptance, right? Yeah, and, and it seemed like it was drawing a line. It seemed like it was drawing a line in that. But I'll tell you, my opinion is it's what else is the church known for? Families. Yeah. Right. Promoting 100%. families, hundred yeah. percent families. Always has. And and I think if I, I do think the church draw a line in the sand to some people that said, look. Same-sex marriage is not going to happen, and there is a there's plenty of people that I've seen the post of that that have this fantasy that someday the church is going to accept men's and desires. and same-sex marriage will be you know temple marriages. Well, it's performed. done in other churches, big big religions, right? Big, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yes, yeah, it is. So it's, yeah. so they're hoping that the the that LDS we'll church suit. would follow suit with some of the other Protestant churches that have that have done so. And so that drove the line of sand. Say, this is not going to happen. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And number two, family is so important. We'd rather keep your family intact and not ha- cause any controversy. So if you are in a same-sex relationship, married or not, still come, be welcome. Come, be welcome. But please understand. Uh, keep your family together is more important than your child getting baptized in the church. And, and so, yeah, and instead of getting baptized ten years later on down the road. Yeah. Whatever. Time if if that's because I remember that article from the year ago. It I remember it did touch on. You're welcome. Like, please come. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't well, like. Let me ask line. you this, Jay. You were covering the church. Yeah. When you attended church as a non-member, were you alienated at all, or were you embraced more so than? You know, I of... remember purposely not wearing a white shirt and tie, even though my friend who baptized me later asked me to. The guy who invited me. But I remember having a conversation with my stepfather, and he's like, "Hey, man, church is not about what you wear; it's about your heart and whatever." So I remember going like that, kind of on purpose, you know, yeah. to see what I'd get, like. I mean, sat down in the pew, totally had never seen church. Like, I'm used to going to the stadium church with the band, the music, everyone up there just dancing and singing in their Starbucks in the lot, you know. Yeah, but go lot. back to you. Were you, did they embrace they you? Embra- or, what I'm or getting at is they embraced me 100%. Shun- like, and I'd gone to those mega churches, no embracement. Gone to th- this church, sat there, looked nothing like anyone else in there. Uh, didn't sound like anyone else either. I was and, and and may, like cigarettes. Th- there may be members of the church that do not live the gospel of Christ and are very judgmental. But from my experience, Xander, too, yeah. when you have someone shows up that's not a member that's attending the church, man, there is a, a huge art outreach yeah. to make that person feel comfortable. And so when I saw that, I'm like, okay, so if you do have a same-sex couple that's attending church and their child can't be baptized, I think that child's going to be completely embraced, more so than yeah. just a regular kid For that's, sure. that's They embraced me. My, my home ward that I got baptized in embraced me so much that it changed my life. And I was willing to leave my friends. And family, if they didn't accept me, luckily my family accept, accepted me no matter what. But a lot of friends didn't. But I was willing to go that. That's where my conversion was. And because of that, I think it was 100% because that ward treated me like I was, I was young. I was 19, so I was still like a kid. Yeah. And I, I, all my friends at that time that I made friends with that ward were like 17, right? They were all young men and young women. I hadn't gone to a singles ward yet. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I was at today. Well, there we go. Awesome. Um, not a mass exodus. We have listeners from all over the world, and that dude from Duke is serving his mission on the basketball court. That he's we, a man. He's a man. That's, that's awesome. awesome. And Rusty is going to serve a mission instead of the WCT. Hopefully. So we're <laughs> going to let him make that choice. You'll let him make that choice. But that's, he uh, says, so, so far, I've asked him before, and he says, maybe I just want to serve. 
<laughs> he's literally said that before. But he's five. He's so five. Let's give him some time. He's the most spiritual one in our family. Let's wait till he gets baptized before. Yeah, let's hold him accountable. Well, fun fact before we change. The person who baptized me, he committed me to go on a mission before he talked about getting baptized. Committed you to go. He said that he knew that we met, so I would join the church and become. But he skipped right over, like, let's. He just assumed the deal, right? In sales, you assume the deal. He's like, it's because you're going to be a missionary. So he told me. Never forget it. He was inspired. Yeah, boom. All right. Uh, we're going to go into uh, step seven. We'll listen to Jay. Sh- I'm sorry, step six. Jay share, and then we have a special Ask the Attic. I'm glad the room's filling up. <clears throat> Hope there are more people still coming. Um, change of heart. I remember uh, this is the first step when I, when I took these steps for myself. Uh, you know, like, like most of you already know, like I had a massive opioid addiction as well as to any other drugs I can get my hands on. So Xanax, um, uppers, downers, you name it. Um, when I first came to the meetings, I was consuming 40, 50 pills a day and uh, couldn't function, couldn't get, you know, it started, I could function perfectly on drugs. And, <clears throat> and in fact, they, they almost enhanced, I thought, um, my quality of life. In fact, they did. They did in the beginning. But then quickly they stopped working. And once they stopped working and then once I didn't have them in my life anymore, and I remember it getting to about a year, and I, that's when I started doing these steps, to actually, like, I had just stopped, and I was coming to meetings, but I wasn't working with a sponsor until about a year. And it wasn't until about a year sober that I started doing these steps. When I got to step six, it really hit me, and um, there's a lot of the words in here just, like, resonated with me. And that's when I realized, for the first time, that drugs and alcohol, you hear me say this a lot, but weren't my problem. They were my solution. Because if they were my problem, if they were the true nature of my problem, 100%, as soon as I got off pills and as soon as I got off drugs and alcohol, then my life would just be perfect, right? Because the problem's eliminated, but that's not the case. Uh, it's, it talks about um, you, you still cling to old ways of reacting to and coping with stress in life, maybe even more so now that you had let go of your addictions. That was me. So I was like walking on eggshells my first year of sobriety. Like I, I just didn't want to use, I didn't want to, I knew that, and I knew if I did use, I was going to lose everything. And I had already had a million chances, so, um, but I didn't know how to get sober. I like I didn't know how to get like everyone kept talking about. There's so difference between sobriety and recovery. Everyone, so I knew I was sober, but I didn't know how to get recovery. Like I still felt broken. I still felt like I was clinging to these old ways, and life was still stressful. We had our second baby in my first year of sobriety. That was stressful um, because I had gotten you know lost our scholarships to school. We were living with my family's at my family's house, and we we didn't have any money. We didn't have a job. We didn't. I had a job, but I was barely making any money. Not enough to live in Orange County, you know, let alone have two kids and to do all the things we wanted to do with our life. And um, <clears throat> but there was a part in here that was read, um, the last page, and it said, <clears throat> "Healing also begins to see begins in your mind and in your heart." Uh, I knew for a fact. I know for a fact after doing these steps and, and really taking the time to to figure myself out and why I was using in the first place, that you know once you get off the drugs and alcohol, it's not enough. Like in order for you to truly have recovery, to have God in your life, or to have peace of mind and in your heart, because uh, without peace, like I mean, you might as well. I mean, it's worse than not having drugs. You know, it's worse than being on drugs. It's it's a horrible, especially when you have no outlet with drugs. Like so, if you're sober, does that make sense? And then and so. It takes time, and it takes doing the, the steps one by one. So step six comes after you've done step four and five, right? It doesn't come first. You know, the first one is you got to get honest. There's no way I was going to attempt having my heart changed if, if I hadn't even admitted I was an addict, and it took me years to do that, years. 
years to admit that I had a drug problem. Even though I knew I'd had a drug and alcohol problem as a kid in high school and in, in younger than that, unfortunately, I still I had a prescription for these drugs. You know, so they were they were in my mind they were justifiable. Now, of course, I broke that prescription. I was I would take my whole prescription of 30, uh, 340, 400 pills in a matter of a week or two. You know, and I had friends that could do worse than that. They'd take them in a day or two. And so, but I, so I thought, once again, I would judge myself to compare it to other people. And, and uh, it got to the point where my wife left me, as you guys know this, and, and I thought there would be, there's no way. I remember coming to this meeting and hearing these types of steps, and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to ever have peace like this. That, um, but it's because I didn't get honest yet. And as soon as I got honest, as soon as I could relate to another person, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting in a meeting, someone else was sharing, and I connected with that person. And I was like, that person knows what I've been through. You know what I mean? Like every, everyone else in my life, they weren't addicts at the time. Like my family, I just had family and friends, and uh, most of them weren't addicts. And so they would just say, stop using. Well, I'd already done that, and I was still miserable. I didn't show that because I was afraid my wife would leave me if I showed how, how much anxiety I had, how much stress I had and how I had these old ways of coping with stress. So I didn't know what to do. Um, but finally, I remember hearing people share how, the, how it, when they found recovery versus sobriety. And I was like, wait a minute, and it clicked. I have to do these steps. You know, I have to get honest. And I have to do it as, if I, someone also said in the meeting, if I put a tenth of the effort that I used to do to get high into these steps, then I would find that recovery. And I finally did it. And it took me a while, but I got honest and I did it. And it was hard, it was freaking painful at times. But when I came to read step six, it was almost like a blessing. Even though it was talking about in here that you still have all these ways and, and you know, you're still, you realize you're still human. That was a good thing because at first I was judging myself. I was like, man, I did four and five. I, like I did this inventory of my life. I got honest, I've been sober, but yet I'm still struggling. But see, reading this tells me that I'm not the only one. See, our disease, tells us that we're that we're terminally unique right we're destined to be this failure you know in life or, or that's at least that's what it told me and that I could only be amplified by drugs and alcohol or substance of some sort right but I was never going to be hundred percent without everything and that's just not true it's not true I found God in this program I lost God through my addiction I literally didn't believe that there was another higher power besides myself I really I didn't believe it because when you wake up every morning and you take a substance whether you want to or not that's your God. You know, when they talk about five false idols that they used to make, you know, and, and golden calves, well, that was my calf. That's all I would do. And uh, at the time, I didn't recognize it that way, but I do now. And that's what it means to worship other gods. That's all I thought about. My, I'm, I was just telling my friends that uh, of, uh, many times that I, uh, I uh, would detox alone in my room and have my wife get me, you know, food and substance because I couldn't get out of bed and one time was right after Rusty was born my first son and uh, he was maybe a month or two months old two months old and I was 12 days of hell it was the worst detox of my life and uh, and unfortunately it wasn't my last but at the time and but I swore to myself I'd never use again and I remember looking at Lexi I remember looking at her new beautiful boy that you know I was so stoked to have and uh, in my life and I felt like he was a gift and I was like, I'll never use again, and I barely made it, I think, two weeks, and then I was using again. Now, um, the reason why is because I didn't have these steps. I didn't have this program. You know, I don't care if you're here or if you go to an AA or an NA meeting. I just want you to do these steps because they're in all the meetings. They may be a little bit different wording. For the most part, they're exactly the same. These 12 steps will free you 
They will help you realize that this all started in your mind and in your heart, and therefore healing will start there. See, if it was just a physical disease, all we had to do is change our physical state and we'd be fine. But that's not enough. The thousands that have been before us in, in AA, NA, in this program, and all the other programs throughout the world have showed us that that's not enough. And I've seen that personally in my life, and I'm grateful that we have more steps. The answer is always the next step. I believe that. I really do. Um, because if I would have just finished on step four and five where I had this inventory of my life, I would have been pretty messed up. But this one told me that it was okay to still have some challenges, but God was going to help change my heart. I didn't have to change it. He was going to. I just had to hold on. I just had to have hope, and I had to keep moving forward. And I kept doing that. And I just trusted that I would never go back again. I've never used again, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, I'm just grateful that everyone's here tonight. And I'm, um, If you're here for the first time, just listen. And if you want to share, you can. And just It's a place where you can vent and get, get out what's on your mind. And... Um, there's no judgment. What's said in here stays in here. And uh, there's a lot of healing in this room. And there's a lot of answers and solutions. But um, I'm grateful you're here. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. special guest tonight today whenever you're listening to it on ask the addict we're asking the addict spouse so that's hi, Lexi. me hi hi brad your husband is an addict yes he is when did you figure that out <laughs> when did you realize jay's an addict did, when was it before jay realized it yeah it was definitely before jay realized it i always like me and jay were friends before we got married so i always knew that he had had issues with um doing drugs at a young age and so I just honestly didn't think it was an issue when we had gotten married, but like it was a recreational, like you just yeah, it was just was like when he partied when he was younger. And, and it he wasn't, wasn't a like, member. Yeah, when so that happens, it was like so. oh yeah, whatever. That okay. happened. most people that aren't members party. I party like whatever. Yeah, yeah. but um, when we were married and he got on a prescription of um, uh, like Vyvanse. It sort of started changing ADD his medication. yeah ADD medication. It sort of like started changing his attitude towards um, me and um, immediately. I or wouldn't say immediately, but it was pretty fast. Okay. I'd probably say like a month after. Okay. And he, and Did then you correlate it with that. No, I didn't correlate it with that because I just thought that was helping him with his schoolwork. But as soon as he started taking that along with muscle relaxers, that's when a huge change happened with him. It was like all of a sudden he couldn't stop taking the muscle relaxers. He wanted to take more muscle relaxers. And, and that it, was prescription from a doctor? Yeah, uh, I don't believe it was. Okay. They He was getting it from a family member, okay. I believe, actually. Family Listen, my I have family members where I've got like, oh, this hurts, and they open up the yeah. pharmacy and yeah, the, totally. their in medicine the house. cabinet. Right, yeah. They're like, oh, here, just take this. Yeah. So as soon as that started happening, I mean, it was just like we'd be out with friends, and he'd just be like slurring his words, and I'd be so embarrassed, and I'd just be like, oh my gosh, he's like so out of it. And then, but, but was he giving? Was there a a reason like 
Was he in pain? Like Yeah, he just said like his shoulder hurt. Like if I started taking muscle relaxers, my wife would be like, Why? Like yeah. you're not working out. It wasn't anything big, but okay. I just figured like, okay, his shoulder hurts or you know, okay. he gets migraines. So yeah. I was like, Yeah, if it's helping with your migraines. But I didn't really want to say anything because I didn't want to like upset him. Yeah. So I just kind of like let him take the pills. To How be much was part of like you just didn't want it to be a problem? Like you well, know, yeah, of course. Like, I think any marriage is like that. You're, you, We were newly married, and so I didn't want anybody to think that anything was wrong. And people, a lot of our friends had already like, oh, you're like, I can't believe you're marrying Jay. He's like the crazy one. And so I already kind of had that like edge on my shoulder where I was like, oh, nothing's wrong. We're, we're good. You had to overcompensate. Yeah, totally. Are good. We're like super happy. Everything's fine. So I shoved everything under the rug, which was Okay, really so bad. when he started his changing his his behavior, slurring yeah. out in public, yeah, was there was there a time you're like, I think this might be a problem, and did you address it with him, confront him, and say, I think you have a problem with those? The only, to be honest, I I knew it was like an issue, but I didn't realize it was a problem until um, I was a couple months pregnant. Rusty was almost due. And I went in our bathroom to go find something, and I found, like, a whole prescription to Vicodin. And I knew that he had, like I, – well, I didn't know at the time, but I didn't know that he went and saw a doctor for that. And so you didn't know he was taking Vicodin? No, I didn't. Okay. And so when I saw that prescription, it was, like, a whole bottle. It was probably, like, 90 pills. I, I knew that something was wrong. And I remember calling him, and I remember wanting to throw them away – but I called him, and he totally talked me out of it. He, like, got super mad. He's like, you can't throw those away. I need those for my migraines. And he got, like, way crazy. So I was like, okay. I got kind of scared. I was like, I don't want to throw them away. I don't want him to get all pissed at me. So that's kind of how. And then after that, it just kind of went Spiral downhill quick. fast, okay. really fast. And, okay, that's – so if, if a spouse is dealing with a similar thing like, hey, my – husband or my wife or even my loved one my child behavior is changing abruptly and maybe there's some substance i'm not sure if it's prescription overtaking too much prescription or like whatever it is yeah what would be some advice to how to confront it um how to bring it up I think that for me, and this is just your perspective, right? You're yeah, like, you're just not know it all. Yeah, but. just not. I'm not like some kind of crazy counselor, but for me, it's like when I started noticing, it's more like with the anger, like it was like very quick to get angry, or it was very. He was very short. I knew that those were like the first signs. I I knew that like something else was going on, and just very agitated. I feel like if you're suspicious of a loved one doing that, I feel like those are some signs to look for because agitation is kind of one of the signs that, you know, when you're getting high all the time, you're coming down, you're just not feeling good. And I feel like if you feel like it's an issue, you want to bring it up soon. That was my problem. I did not bring it up right away. I just waited. And so I, looking back now, I would have addressed it in not like a mean way, or I would, Try to take it in like a loving tone, like, "Hey, I'm noticing this." Hindsight like, now, you were knowing yeah. the ERP program, yeah, you would have dealt it way differently. But, totally. But at the time, I didn't. Yeah. What, what do you do? Like, uh, just stop. Yeah, I had like, no idea. Okay. It was more of like an anger thing. Now, as now, I would have done it so differently. It would it would be more compassion. Like, hey, I'm I'm noticing these things about you. Like, is everything okay? Is there something you want to tell me? Like, I'm not going to be mad. I just I'm trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, the, the manual still say addiction recovery program, but 
I think the branding of the church has turned it to more 12 steps to change. Yes. It's a little easier to bring it up like, hey, you're yeah. an addict. We should be out of cover as opposed to, hey, there's these 12 steps to change whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe you want to change the amount of X, Y, and Z or whatever you're doing. Yes. Jay talks about a lot of, he thought it was a quantity problem. And not, not the like actual what it is. Yeah. yeah. It just I was just taking too much. I just need to slow it down. Totally. All right. Fast forward. And everyone who's listened up to this point has heard Jay talk about, you know, he basically you said, I want a divorce. I'm out of here. Yeah. You had it up to here. Yeah. And was that the hardest thing at that point or was no, it easy No, that to say? was probably the easiest thing because okay. it had gotten to the point where we hadn't dealt with it for so long that he was just getting high constantly and our relationship was out of control. Our arguments were out of control. I literally like hated my life. I really did. I could like look at him and, and say that I hated him because of the way he like treated me, the, the way he acted high, coming down, was he, the constant like going to w- doctors. Would he, would he get good? We're like, oh, he's awesome. Or was it just all bad? Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was all bad. Like, obviously, I look back at pictures now of times when he was using and, you know, like you can always put a smile on or you can you can go do activities where you're having fun together. Did your Instagram look like you were having the best? Of, time of course it did. Brad. <laughs> my Instagram looked like everything was amazing. <laughs> But inside, okay. I like hate So you're trying to life. tell me Instagram doesn't give a clear picture Instagram of how things are Instagram does not give a clear picture of what okay. people right. are going well, through. That's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it just got to the point where I kind of just didn't feel like I knew him. And I kind of felt like, for me, I was like, this is not what I asked. Like, this is not what I asked for. I've gotten in the temple. This isn't supposed to happen to me. Right. You know? I thought everything was just going to be, yeah. You better say this isn't fair. Of course, yeah, this is not fair. Why me? Why us? Why whatever? And uh, you share frequently, and I know Jay does too, like these 12 steps saved your marriage? Yeah. Saved Jay's life? Yeah. Yeah, I say that every week. Oh, yeah, you do all Mm -hmm. the time. I do. So change of heart. That was step six we talked about today in our our meeting, and you shared during tonight. um, What... What was what was a change of heart that you needed to go through during this process? Because Jay obviously did. The addict does. Yeah. The spouse probably needs to go through a change of heart as well. Oh, yeah. So um, I would say that when we were separated, um, I was still, like, completely angry. I went to my parents' house. I was taking care of Rusty 50-50. Hold on. Did you did – you, did your parents know – Oh, yeah, they completely okay. knew everything. So, like, you're like, Jay's an addict. And it's, yeah. Okay. They they knew about the drugs um, months and months before I wanted to even leave. I had talked okay. about divorce for a while. Okay. Um, with him or with your family? With everybody. Yeah, okay. with Jay, with my mom, mostly. Okay. But, um, so, I was living with my parents, and I felt like everything was still his fault. And I was still super angry, and I always pointed the finger at him. I didn't want to think that any of it was um, my issue, or I just thought he was, like, the crazy person. I just needed a divorce so I could, like, move on with my life and forget about him. And um, I started to notice a change because there was a point in time where like we couldn't even talk about our child without arguing and yelling and and, like hating each other simultaneously is jay starting to go to arp yes okay Okay. sorry so he had started going to arp meetings at this time you left you're up in yeah but i had no idea because we kind of stopped talking you didn't know he's going to meetings Mm -hmm. okay 
we actually use one of our friends to like m- you know mediate like us and doing the baby and we meet okay. and so um so one Jay's night going to arp meetings yes he's okay. going to arp meetings it probably been maybe like a month or two since he started going and I still had it in my mind that, like, I fully wanted a divorce, that we were done. And I had one conversation with him. It was just one conversation. And it was right after he had gotten done with one of his ARP meetings. And he called me. And there was just this, like, hum, like this humble tone in his voice. And um, he kind of talked about something that someone shared in the meeting. And Did you know what ARP meetings were at the time? I knew that he was going to meetings, but I had really no like, idea what they were. I had okay. never been to one. Like, did you know what AA was or no. NA? Or a- okay. No, I had no idea so what it was. So just some meeting where yeah. addicts go to. Yeah. Okay. For, did you know it was a church-related thing? Um, I didn't know it was church-related. Okay. And I just thought that it was just kind of helping him. Guide. I had no idea. I didn't even know what the 12 steps were. Side note, isn't that sad? Like, like the church adopted us in 85. This manual's got now. a June of 02. Someone was just talking about it after. Like, June of 02 is when this English approval was done. And how few people <laughs> know about it. Yeah. Um, so, hopefully, this podcast, as part of Jay's and I, uh, hope is. Yeah, let's get the, the 12 steps out there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, entertain- it's interesting. It is interesting. And, and it's great help. So, so you, you had no idea this even existed. You didn't yeah. know, like, he's going to some church meeting and. Okay. Yeah, so he's just he he called me up and he just like had this humble tone and he not like totally apologized but kind of just was like you know I've been acting I shouldn't have been acting this way this is in regards to our son and switching every other week and taking care of him and so I was like I was just kind of taken back because we seriously could not like get on the same page at all and so I was like okay that's interesting. And I had this one thought that, like, say five years down the road, this all cleared, and me and Jay were friends. And I thought about what, at the time I was pregnant, and I thought about what our children would think that if we were friends, how could how come our mommy and daddy couldn't love each other? And so that was the first time for me I kind of had a change of heart towards Jay. Like, maybe this, maybe it could work out. Maybe I'm not completely done. Maybe I don't hate him. Maybe there's a chance. And so that was the kind of first change of heart. But then the one that really changed me was when I actually went to an ARP meeting for the very first time. And how did that come about? So at this time, we actually, I believe we had gotten back together by the grace of Jay's aunt and uncle were letting us stay at their house because our our families were still kind of like not super stoked that we were getting back together just because of how everything went down. It was like really stressful As for a dad, both. If my daughter's oh, yeah. husband, I, I don't know how I'd, yeah, my dad, how accepting I'd be, you know, <laughs> my dad yelled at him like one time over the phone. My dad's not a super confrontational person. In fact, he like rarely talks, but yeah. he, so it, I think it was just he hard. He nodded at me during, did he? Yeah. So there I you go. Like, <laughs> hey, what's up? Yeah. Um, so I think, that they were just really skeptical. I think they thought that he wasn't going to change. I think because we had tried, he had tried to get sober that my parents knew of probably like three times before where he like fully detoxed and was like, I'm never going to get back on pills. Like, let's let's move to Utah. Let's move and we'll start a new life together. If, if you would have heard about the ARP program in any one of those times, would you have gone? Like, would you have said, oh, that's for us? Probably not. Really? Okay. I would have probably thought like, yeah, maybe you should try that, Jay. 
Like, okay. you know, this but, is yeah, for, for him. But yeah. would you have said that would have been good for you, for Jay? Yeah, I probably, yeah, you should probably go to that. Like, okay. maybe that'll help you with like, your drug addiction. Like, did you think addictions. he was an addict? Yeah. Okay, so you see, like, addiction recovery program, and you're like, you see it hey. in a church manual, you're like, hey, that might be something that, that my husband would benefit from. Yeah. Okay. So, So. Okay. um. So hold on. Did any bishop, home teacher, visiting teacher, Relief Society, if your wards know? No, they but, didn't know. But your family did. But our family did. Do you think they talked to people, or was it kept secret, family secret? I think maybe my my mom might have talked to her friends about it. And one of her best friend knew about it, and she kind of tr- tried talking to me about addiction, but I didn't. I at the time, you know, okay. I was just young. I was like a new mom. I didn't yeah. really know what was going on. Okay, I'm like curious is how do we get people this, to in the know to like yeah. trigger? Oh, there's the church has this ARP program. Where's the meeting? But no one ever said anything about ARP this whole okay. time. It was yeah. not until he actually went on his own that yeah. this whole thing came up. Okay. So. Um, Mental note, ask Jay in my next uh, interview with him how he first heard about it. Yeah. But, okay. Um, so. Oh, yes. Change of heart. So. Um, it so wasn't you got until, back together. Yeah. So, you went to a meeting. Yes. I went okay. to a meeting with Jay. What step was it on? Remember? I can't remember. Okay. I really don't remember. And what was your feeling of walking in through the door? So I walked in the Were door. Were you like, I don't want to go because I'm like scared? When I first went to a meeting. I was I, a little nervous. And, and I went, I think with both of you guys. But I remember calling yeah. Jay and I'm like, Jay, dude, what do I say? Like, I'm scared. <laughs> like, what are people going to think? Like, and, and I remember I walked in. It was in the Sanctuary building. And then some guy I know um, was walking out because he was thinking the high council Sanctuary. He's like, hey, Brad, what's up? What are you doing here? I'm like, like oh, yeah. uh, you know, just friends down here. Nothing. Nothing. Meeting. meeting yeah. I, and I'm like, oh, well, crap, what's he going to think of me? Like, do I need to go tell him? Like, that I'm just visiting? Like, all these thoughts go through my mind. Totally. Did that go through your mind? Um, or were you just like, whatever, I'm going for this guy? Cause no, I think at that point, I we were just, like, so humbled that we didn't care where, okay. where the help came from. We just wanted it. Okay. And so I walked in. What meeting? San Clemente? San Clemente meeting. Okay. I walked in, and it was in the primary room, I believe. So it's, like, a smaller room, and there's, like, people sitting in a circle. I'm like, whoa, this is different because it's, it's just – it really is different from any other church meeting. If you've grown up in the church, it's just a little different. And so I sat down and I was kind of nervous. And then, you know, you hear people go around the circle say, my name is blah, blah, I'm an addict. And I'm like, well, this is like a straight up AA meeting, you know? Because so, like me, you've seen it on TV. Yeah, that's the okay. only, that's probably the yeah. only other place that I'd seen that is like yeah. on movies. Yeah, yeah let's rock right. it out. That, we're not going to go out. Long? Well, that was a little long, but we're oh, just, okay. we're going to postpone. This is too good. Okay. So, um, I'm not going to fade you out yet. Okay, so I walk in and people started sharing and I just remember crying and I felt the spirit so strong and I was just like, whoa. Like I had I had like an instant change of heart where it was like I had so much compassion I never had be- before for Jay because I realized for the first time that these addicts are struggling with this thing that they're like trying to keep secret because it's so shameful to talk about that you have addiction it's so shameful to talk about that you have these problems and people are just sharing so honestly I I've never felt this spirit so strong and I I was like hooked from that moment on I was like did Jay share that meeting yeah I think he shared okay he still was pretty new in recovery but for me I was like I couldn't wait to go to the meeting was it Jay's share or everyone else's I think it was just everybody like people's raw emotions like sharing about things I had never heard of and I 
had lived a life where I had done stuff that was not conventional to Mormon ways, you know, like I partied and stuff, but like these people's life stories were like far beyond anything that I could comprehend them living with these addictions and just how hard it is for people that have addictions to overcome something that is that I just thought if you love me you would change that was my biggest thing and, and but I'm I realized just, and I'm guessing then, here like sometimes you picture someone's listening to this they're picturing an addict tattoo sleeves purple yeah. hair like these are just these are your least Mormon, presidents yeah just corn president like these are people you'd see that, yeah there's Sunday. a couple harder looking sure, people but sure like for the most part get the full just, spectrum yeah totally full spectrum so it's interesting to hear people open up and for the first time i just had a whole another outlook on addiction from that point forward so if would you highly recommend someone recommend if you have a loved one specifically a spouse if your spouse is an addict do you recommend them going to meetings or just saying hey you need to go to that meeting or should they go together or and maybe it's different always, but maybe they go to different meetings. Or is it important for a spouse to go and understand the 12 steps of recovery? I completely agree that a spouse or a loved one should come to these meetings. Whether it is alone, maybe they want to share without. Yeah. At first, yeah. maybe they're in so much pain from their loved one with whatever disease, whether it's they're dealing with porn or whether it's drugs or whether they're secretly drinking, whatever it is. Like maybe they feel like they can't share in front of their spouse, right. yeah. and so they can go separate. But I, no doubt, they do, should go. Do you know and where do these someone steps. listening right now could go find out where a meeting is? Um, online. Arp.lds.org. Okay, so go find a meeting. Go um, find a meeting, and even if your spouse is not ready, and it's you important go. to share. Okay, Let good. me add that because Why? I, I do believe. Um, when other addicts hear spouses or loved ones share about their loved one that has addiction, I think sometimes that can resonate like what that what they're doing to their own spouse. Because I think it's hard sometimes. I think loved ones don't want to share because they feel like the meeting is for just the addict, but that's mm -hmm. just not true. Because this addiction isn't just the addict. It is Everyone that encompasses that, that's family members, that's mothers, that's fathers, it's, and everyone's hurting. It's amazing because we've had that where, like, a spouse will come in and say, I'm here because my husband's an addict, da, 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 da. And then the, I love after the meeting, all of a sudden you've got, all of a sudden you've got someone over there talking, talking to them to, saying, yeah. all right, I know exactly how you're going through because that this is this and they can totally relate to it. And yeah. it's so organic after, you know, some, some people just bounce right after, but. Right. But there's a lot of organic conversations that happen that were that connection, that healing really, really fosters. In fact, directly from step six, page 35 of the book, through the testimonies of others, the Lord will help you learn the truth that you are not beyond his power to heal. And I think that heal is for the spouse or the addict. Definitely. And hearing, hearing that sharing is definitely. And, and you're, what is something Jay always say about your mouth? Oh, closed mouths don't get fed. He says it almost every meeting. Yeah. It's yeah. really important to share because I feel like um, what Jay shared tonight is, you know, if you have these secrets or whatever you want to call them, these addictions that you're hiding, you're most likely not talking to anybody else about them, especially if you're in the church. You're not talking mm -hmm. to people like your neighbor or someone that's in your life study. Hey, my husband's got addiction to porn or hey, my husband's taking pills all the time in the bathroom mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do about it. You so, know, so, sometimes it does get shared to like close circle right yeah but the the resource should be 
sometimes they just say, just stop. Yeah. They should just stop. And it hit me profoundly. I don't can't remember who said it today, but you know, a lot of people just say, well, if you love me, you would just stop. stop. Yeah. And really, I don't know the answer how many is times I said that during replace. Our... If you're if you have said that, replace this. If you love me, you will go to ARP meetings and you will work the steps. Yeah. You will do the steps. Yep. Because that will lead to recovery, s- recovery and stopping. Yep. That's a good way to end right there, Lexi. Kay. Thank you very much. Any last words? Um, if you are struggling with somebody who you love so much and you don't know where to go or who to talk to, um, I think that your first thing should be is to go on the website and read some of the things about a spouse. And LDS.ARP.org. Um, L- There's a spousal one yeah. and, uh, on there with videos. Yeah. And I think just kind of reading to, or even the videos that they have, I think just kind of resonating with some of those things and um, then getting the guts to talk to that loved one in an unapproachable way to do the steps and, or just even read, just read the steps, even if they don't, f- hum- if they're not humble enough to actually do them yet, just to read some of these things and see if it is something that they're going through. Awesome. Well, yep. the answer is the, the next step. Steps. The next step. Oh, sorry. That's the name the of the next. podcast. Sorry, the next She's step. She's a rookie. Next time you'll get that done. <laughs> All right. Until then, see you next week. Bye. This is Brad and Jay.
misunderstanding deepen and increase as he faces.